I'm Jonathan Kidd, along with Jeff Dulac. It's June. But so we can football st- season, right? It's football season. <laughs> we can start talking about it now. Right. It's never too early. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm okay. How about yourself? About to go on vacation mm-hmm. in a couple days. Let's recap the champions from last year. In Division mm-hmm. One, you had Detroit Castec. In two, Detroit King. Three, Orchard Lake St. Mary's. In four, Grand Rapids Catholic Central. Five, West Catholic. Six, Jackson Lemon Christie. Seven, Palmo Westphalia. And eight, Muskegon Catholic Central. Now, Jeff, out of those eight state champs, who do you think has the best chance to win again this year? Uh, who has the best chance to win again this year? I would go with Muskegon Catholic Central. That's just just a uh, uh, really well-oiled machine that they've got going on down there. Steve Sirwan does a, a fantastic job coaching that team. But I'm going to be honest with you, and you and I talked about this before we came on, I'm going to make the bold prediction that we have zero repeat state champions this year. I think this is going to be a year where you're going to see a lot of parity. A lot of teams that we may not have heard make deep runs in years past, I think they're going to make deep runs this year. And I think we're going to see a, a lot of uh, just mayhem, really, that, that happens, especially late in the postseason once we get there. Yeah, and obviously in Division 7, Plumbo Westphalia, mm-hmm. they lose Jared Smith. Yeah, that's a huge loss for that team. Jared Smith is a fantastic running back, set so many MHSA records. It's going to be extremely difficult for that team to replace him. And in six, you're probably going to have Ithaca going back down to six, where last year right. they were up to five. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they, they competed very well in Division Five as well. Yeah, they competed well in five. They'll probably move back down to six mm-hmm. this year, so they'll probably have a good chance of winning it uh, this year. I'm sure we'll, we'll see that name at, at, in at least the semifinals, not to, to have show any disrespect for the other teams in that area, but Ithaca's the team to beat. Whenever they're in Division Six, they're the team to beat. I know they, they saw their streak get snapped by St. Mary CC, I believe, a couple years ago. But year in, year out, until Terry Hasbrook gives us a reason not to think so, that's that's the odds-on favorite in, in Division Six. I truly think Division Three could be one of the toughest divisions this year because you have oh, Orchard no Lake, St. Mary's, River Rouge that will, will more than likely be in Division Three. Divine Child in this area, and then of course you got Muskegon on the west side of the state. Yeah, for Division Three, this year is is about as good as it gets. You're going to look at at teams like St. Mary's, who's just a perennial power, and they they had an absolute classic in last year's state final against Muskegon. But you look at St. Mary's, they're going to be led by Caden Priestcorn, the quarterback, Rayshon Allen, the running back, and and just several key returners on that team. And then you got Muskegon, Ladarius. They lose Khalil Pimpleton, they get Ladarius Jefferson back. This is a team that. They're, they're not going to miss a beat, and I'd, I'd be surprised if they don't make a deep run. River Rouge is, is the newcomer, Division Three. This is a team that's made a lot of noise in Division Four. Came up little, came up short two years ago in the final, came up a little short last year in the semifinals. But this is a very talented team, and Corey Parker has this program going in the right direction. And it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out mm-hmm. when the playoffs do start. Yep. Do they have Muskegon and Orchard Lake St. Mary's possibly be a semifinal? Be or you could have Orchard Lake St. Mary's against River Roos just to get to play Muskegon in the state final. That could, that could very well be the case. You know, this is, you know, when you have this many quality teams in, in one division, you know, you, you constantly put, you know, send through different scenarios through your mind thinking about it not to say that St. Mary's won't do it because I believe St. Mary's is going to make another run a deep another deep run in the postseason they also have to go through a team like Dearborn Divine Child Mm -hmm. and Dearborn Divine Child has two Big Ten recruits Theo Day the quarterback going to Michigan State and Aiden Hutchinson the defensive lineman going to Michigan you know that that's no that's no cakewalk either so you, you look at how deep Division Three is 
who knows what what these pairings are going to look like. In Division Two, King surprised us all last year by yep. repeating, shutting out Wall Lake Western eighteen nothing in the state championship. Mm-hmm. Do you see us repeat? That's tough. Uh, I know King fans had a uh, King fans and players had a a lot of fun proving a lot of people wrong last year and. Last year's state championship run was just special. Doing it for Coach Dale Harvell, who passed away before the season, really just a really great team. I actually put last year's King team on in my elite eight top t- top eight teams from the twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen twenty seventeen year. King was my number one team. That was just a great team. But a, a three P is so hard to do these days. It, it just really is. So I don't see it happening. But when you have playmakers like Daquan Finn at quarterback and Javion Morton, who plays defensive back and wide receiver, they have the playmakers to make another deep run. Who could be the early favorites to win it in Division Two? See, that's that's really tough to be honest. You know, you're, you're looking at the the early favorite in my eyes is King. Until somebody beats King, they have to be the odds-on favorite. You know, that's just how it is. You know, a lot of us doubted them last year, and and we were all proven wrong. And and that defense with an eighteen nothing win over Wall Lake Western, they've got a lot of key returners on that defense. Um, so they, they have to be the favorite. The team that I think will knock them off, I, I think is going to be Lowell. Lowell made a deep run to the semifinals last year, uh, lost to Wald Lake Western in the semifinals. And you know this is a team that returns their quarterback and a couple of key players. David Cruz might be the best player that some people on the, here on the east side of the state don't know about. He's the quarterback for Lowell. He does everything. He throws the ball very well, and he's a very mobile quarterback. So if if I had to take a guess right now, what, what how far away are we? Six another five months away from the the football finals. I think Lowell's going to win it in Division Two. In Division One, Castec is the defending state champs. Yep. There could be a lot of parity this year, but really they cool. are the favorites. You know, they absolutely are. Uh, what they lost and what they gain mm-hmm. in transfers and you know people on the on the bench. You know. I could see another run with them. Here's what helps Cast Tech this year, and here's why, you know, like I said, I think Muskegon Catholic Central has the best chance to repeat. If I'm going to list a number two on that list, I think it's going to be Cast Tech because you look at what they have, and, yeah, they lost Rodney Hall, who who was a quarterback that led them to, to great success over the last four years. But they have Aaron Jackson, who saw a lot of playtime in times that Rodney Hall was hurt. They're, it's not like they're sending in some inexperienced quarterback. Aaron Jackson is a Division One quarterback, who, who had a lot of success in filling in for an injured Rodney Hall. That, to me, is, a, is, a, is something that's, that can't be matched when you're talking about replacing a quarterback. If you're replace, at the high school level, if you're replacing a quarterback with somebody who already has experience, you're golden. Mm-hmm. You, you just are. You pair that with guys like Kalen Gervin, and then you add in a, a 2019 running back in Jaron Mangum, who, who's, who really showed flashes last year of, of being the real deal. You and I were just talking about there's a lot of key players that are coming into Cast Tech via transfer that they didn't have last year. You know, you, you have guys like Andre Carter along the de- defensive line. Um, you have somebody like uh, Lou, Lou Arthur Nichols. You know, he's another guy who can run the ball well. You know, this is a team that has a lot of talent left. But again, like we said, this is a deep Division One in my opinion. And I've talked to a couple coaches and. Some people think West Bloomfield might make a big run this year with the with the transfers coming in, and that's going to be a topic that we're going to be talking about here in a few minutes too. But your right. thoughts on West Bloomfield? West Bloomfield's got a great chance. You know, if if we're talking about you know with all the firepower that Cast Tech has, West Bloomfield might be right behind them in that list of, of teams that have firepower. You have a quarterback that's going to Bowling Green and Bryce Beasley. He's a guy that's got a big arm. He's very athletic and make plays. And then you, you're talking about a receiver in Taj Mustafa who has a couple of Big Ten offers, including Michigan State. And then A.J. Abbott, a transfer transfer from Northville, 
is coming over to West Bloomfield to join. He's also got a Michigan State offer. He's got a Wisconsin offer. He's got an Iowa offer. He's got a Minnesota offer. These are all guys that that you look at when you pair Mustafa and Abbott. That gives a lot for opposing defenses to try to hold down. You know, I I, I really think that this West Bloomfield offense is going to be one that that is going to be one to be reckoned with. We're starting to notice the trend in high school football. You see in the past, you lose eight, nine starters, but you got a couple coming up from JV that's mm-hmm. going to replace that void. Now you're starting to see that team lose eight or nine starters, but we got six or seven transfers. Right. Yeah. Is, now, is that now the new trend we're starting to see in high school football in the state of Michigan? Yeah, I think we've all been working. We all realize that we've been working towards this day, and a lot of people are, are very anti transfers. To me, I'm not as anti-transfer because you never know the story behind the players. Mm. But with that being said, it seems like this is about 10 years in the making. When 10 years ago, transfers were very rare. You know, five years ago, they were happening more frequently. Three years ago, you know, even more so. And I think now we're to a point where players are just transferring almost, you know, at their own will. You know, the MHSA has done what they can in the past to put in new rules to, to slow this down. But it seems like every step of the way, parents and players find loopholes in those systems to become eligible almost immediately and be able to be impact players, you know, a couple months after they transfer. Yeah. You know, it's it's just kind of a matter of that. And, and, you know, we've seen a lot. We've seen a lot of players over the last few years that haven't been at a certain school for, especially Division One players, you know, players that haven't been at a specific school for very long, but they show up somewhere and, and they make a difference that year. And it's... I think this is just where where we are now, and I think this is probably the the most that we'll have to endure the, the legitimate recruiting questions and, and transfer questions. But this is just where we are. Some schools don't don't recruit, and you know their name speaks for themselves, and players show up because they want to be a part of that program, that tradition. Others, there are there are coaches that recruit out there. I feel like when a kid transfers from a private school to a public school, it's easier to make the point why they. They transfer. Mm-hmm. They can make the point like they couldn't afford it, couldn't handle the lifestyle of the school. Mm-hmm. But I feel if a public school kid transfers to a private school, that private school is accused of recruiting. See, and that's that's something I really dislike hearing because you know at, at every turn you, you hit the nail on the head. A lot, a lot of public school players will go to a private school, and the first thought is that they got recruited to go there. And without knowing any actual numbers, I really don't believe that to be the case. I think that a lot of these kids who play at public schools, maybe they, they reached a certain point at their current high school where they're starting to become more well-known in terms of recruiting and maybe making a name for themselves at the next level. And not that I think they have to, but they might have it in their minds that, oh, I have to go to this school because they'll help me get to that, that next level. I, very rarely do I think uh, private schools recruit you know, players in the middle of their high school careers and try to bring them in. I don't think that happens as often as, I guess, the per- perception would make you believe. Mm-hmm. As far as transfers go, I don't necessarily think it has as much to do with a coach of a school and, and where that program is in terms of recruiting. I think it has more to do with parents and players who think, you know, Mike is not playing enough. He needs more exposure. He needs to be seen by more colleges one way or another. I think that is the, the bigger issue when it comes to, to transfers, than it is with necessarily programs themselves going out and recruiting. I don't think that happens. It happens, don't get me wrong. I don't think that happens as much as people think it does. I think it's more of a a parent and high school athlete 
mentality that I have to go somewhere else to better myself. For example, Sam Johnson. <laughs> His first two years, he was at Southfield High School. Mm-hmm. He came in as the number one eighth grader in the country right. before even playing it down at Southfield. Mm-hmm. Now he transfers to Wall Lake Western. Do you feel the change of schools, for at least for him, will work out for him? I think it definitely could. I'm not really sure, to be honest, because you look at the the program that Tim Conley built at Southfield, now it's Southfield A&T. You know, that's that's something that I think when you look at Sam Johnson, I think Tim Conley does a really good job of, of building around players. Maybe it just wasn't working for, for Sam Johnson because there was a lot. The second he stepped into Southfield as their starting quarterback, as a freshman, just a ninth grader, a lot was expected out of, a, out of him. A lot of expectations, and he lived up to a lot of them. Mm. But maybe you are right. Maybe he goes to Wald Lake Western. You know, he's able to kind of hit the reset button. A couple of former Mr. Football candidates, Kyle Bambard, who's now kicking at North Carolina State, and Kyle Thomas. You know, you you know, and you had Johnny Tracy too, and you have Johnny Tracy too. Is that who's at Princeton? You know, you have. And now you have Sam Johnson. You know this is a this is a pretty solid lineage of quarterbacks that Wald Lake Western has had. This is Sam Johnson's opportunity to really join that, and you know maybe he fits the system a little bit better. They they both play a spread system. You know I'm I'm not a smart enough football mind to really know the intricacies of an offensive playbook and how they're they're going to be used. But maybe this works out for Sam Johnson. You know Western the last five six seven years and far far beyond that they've really proven to be. Uh, offensive powerhouse that can put up numbers, and Sam Johnson's got all the talent in the world. Ten schools left the KLAA, and they mm-hmm. formed the Lakes Valley Conference. Yep. If Wall Lake Western will probably be the favorite in this one, do you see like a team like Waterford Mott, you know, be in the running for that second spot or a chance to win the conference in the first year? I think it's definitely possible um, with kind of how Wald Lake Western reloaded. You know, they, they didn't only get Sam Johnson through transfer. They got a kid from Wald Lake Northern, Spencer Brown. You know, this is a – I think Western has to be the favorite. Just they've got so much talent and so much pedigree, I guess. They, they, they won the KLA North however many years in a row. You know, and they were always in the association championship mix and who was the best team in that that association conference, whatever you want to call it. I think Western has to be the favorite, um, but Waterford Mott could be. This is a team that you're not. You're for me. I'm never really sure about Waterford Mott on a year in year out basis. The year they had like Des Fitzpatrick, you really thought they were going to be pretty good, and they they were. And they struggled, and we they struggled to make the playoffs that year, right? Didn't it, were they at five and four? I, I believe they were right on that cusp, whether it was five and four, six and three. But they definitely needed uh, some some help late in the season to get in. Some help of their own, I should say, to get into the, to the playoffs. But Mott could be in that mix. You know, you have teams like South Lion. It seems like South Lion is starting to come back on the upswing. You know, that's a team that could be in contention. Um, but to to me, it really seems like Wald Lake Western is the team to beat in the the new Lakes Valley Conference. Yeah, and the KLA has the black and gold division. <laughs> yes, they do. And you know, you're, you're going to see your teams like Canton, Brighton. Yep be up there mm-hmm. and Plymouth as well you know I, I really like th- not to I guess nerd out real quick but you look at the the it's, to me the KLAA is still far more balanced than the the New Lakes Valley Conference and both both conferences are going to add teams to these conferences as it goes on but you look at 
you got teams like Northville and Plymouth in in the Gold Division, and then like you said, you have Brighton and Canton in in the Gold in the Black Division. I, you know, the KLA is going to have a lot of competitiveness, especially in this first year. Who knows what happens beyond this year? But there will be a, a very good competitive balance. And always, the, one of the toughest conferences in the state of Michigan is the Catholic League Central Division. One of. <laughs> that's, that's always the toughest. Yeah. You know, you look at, in terms of how deep the conference is, the, it doesn't get any better than the Catholic League. Yeah. Especially in that Central Division. And the interesting storyline going into this season in the division, Brother Rice and Catholic Central has two new head coaches. Yeah, it's, it's like the... The end of an era at Catholic Central, Tom Mack just, I mean, defines legendary, just like Al Fricasa did at Brother Rice. Um, but, you know, you look at Dan Anderson at Catholic Central, he's really going to continue that, that you know, tradition that Catholic Central has. There's no doubt in my mind. And, you know, I... It's gonna be it's gonna be a, an interesting look to that rivalry when those two teams take the field, and you don't see Elfrakas on one sideline and you don't see Tom Mack on the other sideline. It's gonna be a very very strange sight because we're used to seeing at least one of them, and until three years ago we saw both of them. It's gonna be very odd to me. Yeah, Sofran coached Brother Rice for three years after Elfrakas retired, mm-hmm. and do you think we're gonna see a little more openness out of the CC offense, or is it still gonna be the Wham? Uh, it's going to be very interesting. You know, I th- I think when you look at the last couple of years, Mike Mack had taken over that that offense. You could see they were starting to throw, to open it up a little bit more. They had Austin Brown last year, and they really threw the ball very well. You're still going to see a lot of the the trademarks of of CC Smash Mouth football. You know that that you know everyday toughness that we came to know. But I believe we're also going to see some some more spread offense and some more. Ab- you know, ability to really air the ball out, which we've started to see signs of in the last couple of years. And also, too, you got Warren De La Salle and Orchard Lake St. Mary's in yep. that division as well. So it's going to be, yeah, you know, I it's going to be tough. You you look at, I, in my opinion, there is no guarantee of who's going to win a certain game any week in in this schedule. It, it just strikes me as such. When you look at Brother Rice, Brother Rice made a lot of strides last year to become, you know, to to become a, a better team. They took a couple steps back after that dynasty. Last year they made that next step forward to make it back to the playoffs. With uh, Mike Valeni's cousin, Mariano. <laughs> Mariano Valeni. He, he's, a, he's a quarterback that's getting a lot of attention in the recruiting rounds. You know, He's a guy who's going to kind of – I think he's going to do great things for Brother Rice. And you look at you know Coach K's first year, we'll see how that goes. He, he's a, I believe he's a defensive-minded guy, and he's, we're going to be – we're going to – we will see – what Brother Rice has in store. You look at Catholic Central. You know this is a this has an opportunity to be that that traditional smash mouth football because you don't really know who the quarterback's going to be at this time. I think we have an idea, but we don't know for sure. We've got a really good offensive line, really experienced offensive line, uh, anchored by Nick Carey, who's a, who's another very strong uh, Division One offensive line recruit. Look at St. Mary's. St. Mary's is St. Mary's. Uh, you know, George Port's going to have that team ready to go, running their same style on, on offense. Rayshon Allen running the ball, I think he's going to be a force once again this year. And then you look at Warren D. LaSalle, a step back last year. What, what do they have in store this year? You know, we're going to see. We also know that Warren D. LaSalle got a few transfers from Macomb, Dakota. Yep. So we'll see how Coach Giannone does in his second year guiding the pilots. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of look at Giannone's first year the same way I kind of looked at Dave Soffron's first year. Is there, There's kind of that, that adjustment year, and you know, obviously both teams 
two years ago lost a lot of really good players and really key players from those state championship runs. You know, and, and it took Brother Rice a couple of years to get back to the playoffs. De La Salle, they made the playoffs at six and four the year after winning a, a state title. Last year they were four and five. I think they take that next step forward. And also, too, you, you got in the, the Catholic AA division, you yep. have UAD Jesuit going down in that division. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting to see with, with them, Ann Arbor Father Gabriel Richard, mm-hmm. and Dearborn Divine Child. So that's going to be. And Detroit Loyola. <laughs> you know, that's when, when you look at just what the AA is, you know, we, we talk so much about the central division, and rightfully so. But now the double-A the is very competitive. You know, We had already talked about Divine Child, and that's a talented team. You have uh, UD Jesuit. They've got a uh, star running back in Elijah Collins, who's got a lot of Big Ten offers. You know, This, this is a team that's very talented and, and can definitely compete for a double-A title. But don't again, don't sleep on a team like Detroit Loyola. This is a team that we don't know a whole lot of players on. They lost some players. You know, Coach John Callahan, I believe, left Loyola, went to New Haven. But... Again, we're going to see what this AA division really has. You know, again, we don't really know what they're going to have in the mix for, as far as Loyola is concerned. But you know, you can you can never count out this team for how successful they've been over the years. Let's go to the MAC Red. Utica Eisenhower. They won the MAC Red last year. They made it all the way to the semifinals. Gave Castech a game last year. If it wasn't for Donovan Peoples Jones, yeah. last minute heroics. You know, it would have been. Eisenhower in the state finals. It could have well, been. It very well could have been. You know, that's that, that was heartbreaking fashion for that team. With under Max Whitwer, do you see another long run with them this year? It's hard not to. This Eisenhower team has really kind of shown to be a really well-oiled machine. I know I, I've used this a couple of times now. But with Max Whitwer, since he took over during his sophomore year, I believe, Max Whitwer has really kind of gained the uh, attention of, of throughout the entire Macomb Area Conference. And I think that when we're talking about a team in Division One that can really challenge Cast Tech again this year, I, I think that Eisenhower could be that team. They did lose some key players last from last year. I believe Jack Provincher is now gone. But they do have pieces. And, and you know, you always know a Chris Smith team is really going to come to play on both sides of the ball. And also, too, you got Chip Valley in there. You got McComb, mm-hmm. Dakota, that's still strong. And Romeo, those are teams that you can't sleep on at any point in time. No. You just can't. I mean, those are, you know, when you're talking about the Mac Red, those that has four teams that it seems like year in, year out, they're going to compete, they're going to challenge. You have a team like Warren Mott, and Tom Milanov has done a great job with Warren Mott. That's a team that really. You know, seems to sneak up on people almost too often. And then you got in the OA Red Division, you got West Bloomfield, Lake Orion, Clarkson, Bloomfield Hills moves up from the blue all the way up to the red. Mm-hmm. West Bloomfield and Lake, that's going to be in another tough division this year. It really is. You look at that division as a whole, you have Clarkston, who it seems like they're the perennial power in that division, you know, especially since they won their. their couple of state championships a few years ago but you have teams like west bloomfield who we already talked about they can challenge they they can without a doubt challenge that team and you know a team that i look at and it's kind of funny that i'm looking they lost a lot of key players you know due to transfer to a number of different schools it seems like whenever nobody's expecting southfield to have a big year they have a big year so i wouldn't sleep on southfield tim conley still does a great job with that program and I think they could be the sleeper team in that division. Who knows? You know, we're not even to, to July, then alone August. But we we will see. And I I think that this is going to be a very competitive, especially at the top when you look at the top three or four teams in that division. Also, the debate is 
what's the tougher OA division, the red or the white? The white will have Groves again. They'll mm-hmm. have Oak Park, Farmington Hills, Harrison. There's some pretty tough teams in that division, too. Yeah, you, you look at it, and obviously rumors are swirling around Farmington Hills, Harrison, one they're going to close down. But that's always a team that's really going to be in the mix in the white. Oak Park, Greg Carter does a great job with that program. You know, it seems like year in, year out since he's arrived at Oak Park, that's going to be a team that's going to always be in the mix and always compete. What can you say about the job that Brendan Flaherty's done the last couple of years at Birmingham Groves? That's a team year in, year out that that really has, has become a, a thorn in a lot of teams' sides. And, you know, they, they lost to uh, Detroit King, I believe it was 14-7 in the playoffs last year. The eventual state champions, you hold them to just 14 points, you know, don't don't sleep on Birmingham Groves. They're they're a program that's definitely on the rise. And another team that's on the rise, a little more west, is mm-hmm. Belleville. And it's yes. last year in the Western Wayne Conference mm-hmm. before they moved to the KLAA. Yep. Jermaine Kroll is building a potential power out there. So your thoughts on Belleville going into this year? You know, I really like Belleville. You know, you look at all the the Division One talent they have on that team. You got a guy on the offensive line, Devontae Dobbs. I believe he's a 2019 kid. He's being looked at by schools all over the country. You look a little bit more local in terms of recruiting. You have Davion Williams, a kid who's played just one year of high school football, committed to Michigan State just a couple days ago. And then they have players all over the field along with those two. But this is a team that's super talented, super skilled, and it's kind of been one of those teams that's just been knocking on the door the last couple of years. And who knows, maybe this is the year that they they really get over the top and make a deep run in the playoffs. They have the talent to do it. There's no question about it. And more than likely, they'll play Celine. And how's Mm -hmm. Celine going to be this year? It's it's going to be interesting. Obviously, Celine lost a, a lot of key players from last year's team. You know, since since Coach Palka arrived in Celine, this is this isn't a team that you know makes a run and then you know takes a couple of years to rebuild. This is a team that now reloads every year. I don't think a lot of people expected Celine to make it as deep as they did. And again, they challenged Castec. You know, they had Castec on the ropes and and they just barely lost. But you, you can't count out Celine because this is a team that. Year in, year out, they find new playmakers, and they find you know really reliable quarterbacks. You know, Zach Schwartzenberger is probably the best quarterback you didn't know of last year. He threw the ball really well, and this is, this is a team that is able to find those diamonds in the rough, I guess, and really build around them and, and not really miss a beat. We were so used to seeing Celine just kind of dominate teams with very talented teams, and they're still very talented, but it seems like they're another one of these programs that goes you know next man up. And they've they've thrived in that that style, I guess. In Downriver, the Downriver League, usually it's Windout Roosevelt, Allen mm-hmm. Park. A team that I'm interested to see is Gibraltar Carlson this year. Yeah, they got a new coach, Jack Gerarmo. He used to coach Monroe St. Mary Catholic Central. He was the coach that beat Ithaca a few years ago in the state championship That's game. Right. They got a couple playmakers on that team, so it'll be interesting to see how Carlson does this year because they have not made the playoffs in eight years and you know when you look at a team like gibraltar carlson at at some point it's kind of a if not now but when we just talked about that as far as like celine baseball um and don't get me wrong i'm not talking about gibraltar carlson as a potential state title contender this year but if they're going to make make the playoffs and be able to make some noise this is the year to do it we got a kid like Jalen franklin who's committed to wisconsin just an all-around player he does it all he really does you know, this is the year that Gibraltar Carlson can make some noise and not only make the playoffs, but maybe win a couple of games and, and kind of up, maybe upset some teams, maybe a couple of teams in 
the Downriver area that are used to making deeper runs, making to the regional final or semifinal. Maybe Gibraltar Carlson's the one that kind of throws a wrench into that and, and is the team that comes out looking good in that in that area. It'll be interested to see with Carlson this year with Geraldo. He ran the tight tee at Morose Mary Catholic Central. When Kent Sikora was the coach at Carlson, they ran the spread. Mm-hmm. With Franklin, I'm interested to see how they're going to use him in the offense this year. It'll be interesting um, because this is a kid who I think can line up wherever you really want him to, whether it's at wide receiver, put him back at quarterback, he can make some plays there, put him at running back, and obviously he's got the speed and athleticism to really make defenses look silly. I mean, he's, he is just that type of an athlete, and we're going to really see what he he brings to the table when all eyes are on him. You know, last year was his breakout year. Now people are going to look to stop him. We're going to see what Carlson really has and what they can really do to put him in space to make defenses have to adapt to putting him in other places. You know, you can't just line him up at one place. Everybody's going to focus in on him. One other player I want to talk about real quick from from Carlson is Matt Harmon. The outside linebacker, he's got a couple of Division One offers. I know like schools like Minnesota and Cincinnati and K- Kentucky has even offered him. He's going to be a difference maker on defense. He's going to have to be that playmaker. I expect Jalen Franklin to also play on play some defense as well. But with those two, you know, they can make some noise on that side of the ball as well. And if this, if these two players, Jalen Franklin and Matt Harmon, can really demand the attention of, of opposing teams, this team can make some noise. In that league, you got Wyandotte, mm-hmm. Allen Park, Trenton's been in the playoffs the last couple of years. Yep. My views of the Down River League. Is interested to see how they do when they don't play a team from the Downriver League. Right. The last team that made a really deep run in the playoffs was Wyandotte Roosevelt in 2012. Mm-hmm. They made it all the way to the semifinals, in which they eventually lost to Brother Rice. Right. And and you know, and unfair or un, fair or unfair, you know that's kind of the overall perception of Downriver teams. Uh, I think it's a little bit unfair. But this is this is the type of a year, and maybe not necessarily this year, but maybe next year, where they can go ahead and try to get rid of that perception by making a deeper run and and making some noise in the playoffs. These are some very quality teams, but they just they make those early exits, and and unfortunately, you know they're looked at. Oh well, once you leave downriver, you know you, you don't have a whole lot of success. I don't believe that's true. I I believe that they run into some really good teams. You know whether it be. You know any any number of teams like a brother Rice that brother Rice team that Wyandotte ran into it was a buzzsaw. Yeah. No nobody was going to beat that team as simple as it was. That's just as simple as it was to. And me. even last year when Allen Park uh, lost to Divine Child, that was a good game. It was yeah, twenty eight to twenty four. You know, absolutely. we could have been talking about Allen Park playing Orchard Lake St Marys in the semifinal. There's there is no doubt about that at all. And th- this is it's just a matter of when you have the right pieces in, and at the right time you make a good run. And maybe you can upset some teams. Every every team needs a little bit of luck. Mm-hmm. Luck hasn't really fallen the way of the downriver teams in recent years, but you know, it's only a matter of time. Once Taylor Kennedy and Truman merge after next year, be you're gonna you're gonna have only nine teams mm-hmm. in the downriver league. It'll be interested to see if they're gonna add a team mm-hmm. to make it ten, or they'll finally have that non league. They you could. know, week one or week nine to help them prepare for the playoffs. I think I think regardless of whether they add another team or not, you don't have to play every team every single week. Mm. I think that actually makes it a little bit more exciting for scheduling purposes. Uh, you'll still keep your rivalry games, mm. but maybe you kind of go beyond 
your league schedule because, like you said, seeing different teams and different styles, you know, that's one thing that you do see from time to time is too much similarity between teams. And, and it's not just in the Downriver League. It's with conferences everywhere. that There's just too similar of, of teams and styles and, and play calling that you're not prepared when you leave that conference. You know, if they were to leave the conference and kind of better prepare themselves and see different formations and different styles, and it might not be of a team that you're going to see in the playoffs, but you might be more prepared for the players having gone up against that head-to-head, seeing maybe maybe seeing more spread offense or maybe seeing more pro-style offense. Who knows? All right, we're going to head to the mid-Michigan area. I have not forgot about you, Kyle Zimmerman. Your thoughts on Davidson this year? They got Tariq Reed coming back. They have Tariq Reed, and you know. As far as I'm concerned, you're looking at the Mr. Football Award contest. There's a lot of time to go. You know, was there? He, there might not have been anybody that put up more gaudy stats during the regular season than Tariq Reed. In my opinion, Tariq Reed really has to be at the forefront of that discussion in who's going to be the guy to beat in, in terms of of that contest. But when you look at Davison, they they I believe they lost to Clarkston last year yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah. That's an experience for that team to to build off of and learn from. And I think with such a great job that Kyle Zimmerman does with that program, and his coaching staff does a fantastic job, they had success at Notre Dame Prep before they went over to Davison, and I think that that loss to Clarkston, they'll build from it, and they'll be ready to go this year. And you know, that's a team that I think could definitely make a run if you know if everything falls their way. And they got a good one right off the bat against Southfield A and T at the yeah. Prep Kickoff Classic. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna find out a lot about both teams in that game because you're gonna see Southfield with a lot of players that they they lost. You know, how good is the Southfield team going to be with some some new faces, maybe some unexpected faces, and then you're going to look at Davison, and you know that's a big test for them. That you know Southfield plays in the same division as Clarkson. You know how is Davison grown? How is how is Davison built off of last year's success and, and look to rebound from that loss to Clarkson? Also, too, in that area, you got Lapierre, mm-hmm. and also the Fenton league. and the Flint Metro League. Their quarterback, Josh Sarnata. Put up big numbers last year. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to expect a big year out of him. Maybe he could be in the running for Mister Football yeah. later on. You know, he he's definitely put up the numbers to at least be considered for it. That's for sure. You know, that's a Fenton team that you know has come so close to making deep runs in the playoffs. And, and who knows? Maybe this is their year. You know, a couple of years ago, I believe Fenton, you know, came up just short against a team like Farmington Hills Harrison. You know, another team that you just is tough to beat. But when you're Fenton, you have Josh Sarnata and a, a very strong supporting cast. Maybe Fenton's a team that makes a run this year, and they've proven the ability, at least on the offensive side of the ball, that they're going to they're gonna challenge some of your perennial contenders. It's never too early to talk about the Mr. Football race. Is, that is for sure. We come out with like a watch list starting in like December. Early favorites for Mr. Football. I think, I think you start with a guy like Tariq Reed. Who was in the in the mix last year for the award? What do you think about Theo Day? Theo Day is a guy that I think could really be in the mix. I think he, in my opinion, he probably should be on the the top ten list. Um, he's a guy that's really proven over the last few years to be one of the best signal callers in the state of Michigan. He's a guy that reads defenses really well. He's got a strong, accurate arm. He may not be the only divine child player that that makes the top ten. I'm not saying that it will happen. I'm not saying it won't happen, but. Aiden Hutchinson has to be considered as well, you know he, you know that's a that's a team that has two players that are that are legit, both going to Big Ten schools and, and both put up ridiculous numbers on a year in year out basis. You know a big contender I like is is Rayshon Allen from St. Mary's. Um, he's a guy that just you know they run the ball in that play style as often as they do. 
and he's he was a workhorse last year, and I think he's just going to be a workhorse this year. We talked about this guy a little bit, but David Cruz from Lowell, I think he's a guy that's going to put up some big numbers in his senior year, try to lead Lowell back to to Ford Field. Darius Jefferson from Muskegon, you know, his his you know he's the heir apparent to Khalil Pimpleton, who who made a a deep run in the playoffs, made it to the finals and was one of our finalists for the Mr. Football Award. And I, we had a really long discussion over who would win the Mr. Football Award last year, um, and Pimpleton was in that mix. Well, Darius Jefferson could be that next great quarterback from Muskegon, you know, joining a guy like Deshaun Thrower and joining you know, a Khalil Pimpleton to really establish himself as a true quarterback and a playmaker at that position for the Big Reds. Here's a name that I think is going to be an interesting one, and he's a, he, we're talking about dark horse names. How about Isaac D'Arcangelo? Yeah, he, he's he's a player at Catholic Central with the way they run the ball, and maybe they'll run the ball a lot this year. He plays both ways. You know, he could be a very big contributor on both sides of the ball for the Shamrocks, and, and we'll we'll see what they can do. But if you're looking for a dark horse name, that's kind of the guy I'm thinking of. You know, just because of his contributions on both sides of the ball. I'll ask you: Do you have a dark horse or? a kid that you think might be a favorite for this year's award? It always goes to an offensive player. We have never had a defensive player win Mr. Football Award. Right. Theo Day is my early favorite to win Mr. Football. That's a that's a strong take. You know, with the numbers, mm-hmm. and he's going to Michigan State. You know, the online voting could play a factor in for this. For sure. Absolutely. if you win the online vote in our Mr. Football contest, you're automatically in the Final Four. Absolutely. A dark horse, I'll stick to quarterback. If they make a good run... Jason Whitaker out of Rockford, if they if they have a great year. I like that one. Committed to Northwestern. And Max Whitward out of Utica Eisenhower. Yep. You know, that's you know, both guys are winners. And you know, when when you're talking about all three, you want the quarterback position right there, though, you know, with all three of your, your names and those are guys who just win. And, and obviously last year Theo Day lost in the playoffs to to Saint Mary's, but he's proven to be a winner. He's had some big time moments, you know, getting it getting the job done. In his time with the the with Divine Child and Jason Whitaker is another guy who makes some great plays both with his with his arm and his feet. You know those are guys that that can make some serious serious noise. And Max Whitwer, kid just wins. There there there's no other way to put it. He just wins games. Actually, I'm going to do one more thing okay. with Jeff. Going off script here. Yes. I'm a diehard Michigan fan. You're a diehard Michigan State fan. That is a hundred percent true. Out of the class of 2017, mm-hmm. who do you think will make an impact for the Spartans right away for you? This is a really, <laughs> this is a really tough question. Um, out of the state of Michigan, uh, yeah, out of the state, you know, we're we're not going to nerd out too much with <laughs> with our out of state guys. It's a really tough question, you know. I me looking looking, you know, me looking as a you know a, a football fan. Mm-hmm. I really think Cody White can make an impact right away with all the losses that's happened to Michigan State. He definitely can. Um, there, there's no doubt that he definitely can. I'm going to go. I'm going to stay along the same line as you are, but I'm going to go with a different player at a, at the same position. Hunter Risen. He's a kid who who's a Spartan legacy. He's a kid. Who, his dad, Andre, played at Michigan State, made a big time name for himself there. And Hunter Risen, 5'11", wide receiver, but he runs fantastic routes. He's got great hands. Yeah, I, th- I think he's going to make a difference this year. I'm, it's just a hunch. I think we could both be right when, when we're looking at Michigan State players because, like you said, they, lo- they had a lot of losses for a number of different reasons at wide receiver. And 
not to not to go a little bit too far back, but Tristan Jackson, another Mr. former Mister Football candidate, I'm I'm being told he's going to have a big role in Michigan State's offense this year. So you know some some Michigan flavor on, at the Michigan State wide receiving core. So we're going to flip it back to Michigan now. Who is the the Michigan player that you think is going to make the biggest impact on this year's team? It's very easy. It's Donovan Peoples Jones. I, I tend to agree with that. You know, you look at just how good Peoples Jones was in, in in high school. I mean, we've seen Aaron Burbridge up until last year was probably the best high school wide receiver I had ever seen. The reason I say up until last year is Donovan Peoples Jones, the size, strength, speed. You know, it, he just has the absolute complete package to to be a to just be a complete difference maker. With the losses to Michigan at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. With Darbo and Chesson, it could be a good chance People Jones could lead in receiving this year. We could see a breakout star, yeah. and for a Michigan team that's recruited as well as they have since Jim Harbaugh's arrival, you know, it, it, you you don't expect to see a freshman just have some kind of breakout year. But I really expect Donovan Peoples Jones to. But just to be a contrarian and kind of name another player that I think is going to make a difference on this year's team. Can I take a guess? Sure. Is it Amory Thomas? It is not. <laughs> It's he's definitely a good one, and I think he's going to make a big, big, big difference next year. But something just tells me Jalen Kelly Powell could could be a difference maker on defense this year. You know, a lot of people seem to to pencil Jalen Kelly Powell in as a as a potential down the road Jabril Peppers replacement as a guy who kind of roams around that defense and plays a number of different positions, blitzes a lot, plays in coverage a little bit. I think Jalen Kelly Powell can be a guy that people are so focused on his high school teammate that he's going he's gonna to make a statement this year and say, you can't forget about me. That's it for Kids Corner. The football season is just two months and two days away from the prep kickoff classic and the battle at the big house. The two of us can't get enough high school football, I'll be completely honest. And I'm sure once John gets back from his vacation, I'm taking a little bit of a vacation myself and then... You're going to hear us probably more than you probably want to at this rate. Yes. You'll hear from us once football practice gets going. Mm -hmm. And thanks for joining us today here on Kids Corner.